So this morning, um, as you know, we've been doing seven days of prayer and fasting. I really, really hope that um, you include it more and more in your life. It actually is the most amazing um, tool that God has given us. Last week I gave it the name, the Dynamic Duo. Prayer combined with fasting is a special way that God has given us to get closer to Him and also to see um, barriers broken, the kingdom unlocked in our lives, the kingdom unlocked in our uh, church, the kingdom unlocked in our families, the kingdom unlocked in our community. And uh, so really, I know some of you, I've I've talked to you that you want to keep a part of that in your life, maybe fast a day a week or whatever. So I do just want to, it's not like trying to be religious or trying to beat your body up. It's about taking some time and some space to just say, to show God that you're desperate. So this morning I want to carry on, on, um, out of the book of Nehemiah, um, about prayer and fasting and about um, when you pray and fast, there are results that happen. Then often you will get a revelation from God and then there is a required step of faith. So I've entitled my message this morning, um, The Step of Faith. The Step of Faith. So I'll go back a little bit on where we've been and then I'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see where we go. So we've been looking at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the king's cup bearer. Nehemiah was living uh, in the Persian Empire in the palace of the king. Artaxerxes, and um, he'd heard news of the terrible struggles of the children of Israel in Jerusalem, and that he had been so moved in his heart, and that he wept, and he went through a period of prayer and fasting, and um, crying out to God, and then there was results that happened as that prayer and fast, through his prayer we saw last week that um, he, he had an encounter with the love of God. See, prayer and fasting is not about coming or falling under this terrible, harsh judgment of God, but rather it's about your spirit re-encountering the wonder of who God is. And at the very essence of God, it is love. So that when you pray and fast, it is a great way to unlock more about the love of God. And the second aspect that we looked at last week was that as he prayed and fasted, he realized that the nation had done a whole lot of stuff wrong, that, in fact, he himself and his forefathers uh, needed to ask God, you know, uh, for forgiveness. And that often through prayer and fasting, you'll find that God will reveal things about you and about maybe things he wants you to repent of on behalf of maybe the generations or maybe your family or whatever. And it's not a thing to be frightened of. Repentance is actually a gift of God. Repentance is this wonderful thing that God provides in order for us to be honest with our faults and own our rubbish and own our mistakes because it's very easy to look at the mistakes of others. Um, I listened to a message through the week by uh, T.D. Jakes and T.D. Jakes said, um, it's very easy for us to look at others but we're unable to look at ourselves and see our own flaws and faults. And it's kind of funny, see, when you look out, you can see everybody else, but you can't see you. And the aspect of prayer and fasting and repentance gives you this ability to actually look inside yourself and let the Spirit of God reveal maybe where you have been making some silly mistakes and that a lot of the consequences around you are because you've been doing it wrong. 
And so repentance is this, this wonderful thing whereby you own your mistakes and you ask God to forgive you and you walk out of that stuff. So that's what we looked at last week. So this week, uh, I just want to look at the step of faith. So we're going to look at Nehemiah. Um, so Nehemiah had prayed a prayer that last week we looked at the first half of that prayer. I want to look at the, the second half of that prayer and see some stuff that um, is pretty cool. So Nehemiah uh, chapter 1. Uh, chapter ten, uh, chapter one, ten through eleven. How many people felt weak when they fasted, physically? I'm going to tell you, I did too. And um, this morning, I actually broke my fast last night and had um, uh, a good old feed. We had we we had something special for Travis's birthday, but my body's still feeling a bit weak. So um, pray for me. Um, anyway, I kind of feel a little surreal. Actually, it's kind of weird. Might get myself into trouble. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 10 through 11 in the New King James. Now, these are the so this is the second half of his prayer. Now, these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Again, he's understanding the wonder of who God is and that his people were a people of uh, destiny, that they were God's chosen, and there was something special about them in the heart of God. You are special to the heart of God. When you know him, when you give your life to him, you, you come into a place where you are no longer just a person, but you are something very special to God. And God has a special plan for you. And uh, Nehemiah understands that. And then verse 11. Oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day. I pray uh, and grant him, uh, I pray that you would grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Cup so kind of this is what's happening. Nehemiah had fasted and he had prayed and he had gone through this repentance, he had encountered the love of God, and then he realized that in fact. His position that God has given him as the king's cupbearer was significant to the answer of Israel. He has this revelation that he was the king's cupbearer because God had positioned positioned, positioned him there for such a time as that. And he's praying to God in this revelation, God, I understand now that I'm the king's cupbearer and that I'm going to have to do something because you want me to open my mouth before the king's cupbearer. He gets this understanding that he was the answer. And I want to say to you this morning, I hope through your prayer and fasting and whatever breakthroughs that you've been looking for for your family and friends or for our community, that you are God's answer You are the light of the world to those around you who are in darkness. And see, when you really, really understand that, and he understood now that he was in this place, he was freaking out. He was realizing the significance of where he was at and that he would have to make a step of faith. That he was going to have to step from where he was and put his life into danger 
in order for God's plan to come to pass. And when you get a revelation from God or when you hear God or hopefully as you've been through prayer and fasting, you've heard some answers or maybe some things for your future that he wants you to do. But all of those will require you to take some step of faith. I don't know how many times in my life uh, over the years that I've served God that I have had to make steps of faith, that I was here and God was wanting me to do something or, or bring some answer to some situation or, or even leave maybe some of the mistakes of my life, that there was a moment where I needed to take a step of faith to walk away from maybe my brokenness, maybe my mistakes, maybe my weaknesses, maybe my addictions, or maybe even to just opening my mouth to give somebody the answer the, you know, to life. And there requires a step of faith. Nehemiah was praying to God, God, please grant me the grace to make the step of faith. You see, for him to make the step of faith, he was the king's cupbearer. This guy who he was, who was the king was a guy named Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes was the ruler of the Persian Empire. The Persian Empire had conquered the Babylonians. It had conquered a lot of the known world. And he was this guy's cupbearer who could lop his head off just with a flick of his eyelid. And he knew that if he opened his mouth at the wrong time, if he said the wrong thing, he was putting his life in danger. And I've got to tell you, the bigger the revelation or the greater the thing God wants you to do, often the greater the step of faith is going to require you to do. And a step of faith is stepping into the unknown. You know, like I remember when we had to come to Australia, we were stepping into the unknown. We had no idea. And there was a bit of fear in my heart as we packed all our bags. And I remember being at Auckland Airport flying to uh, Australia, to Melbourne. And really with no idea, I was leaving behind everything that we knew. But we had the sense that God wanted us to come to Australia. Because what did you say, Pekka? God had a work for us to do here. But we still had to conquer fear. See, if you are a person who wants to go further than where you are, you're going to have to make a step of faith. And in order to make that step of faith, you are going to have to um, conquer fear. Conquer fear. The Bible says God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. It's very interesting. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. So what is the spirit of fear? Because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. So does that mean that you do not need to conquer, or that you're not going to experience fear? Sorry. So you're still going to have to conquer fear even if God has not given you a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear comes when you allow fear to rule over you. See, God never designed you or called you or has given you some kind of revelation in order for you to bow to fear and allow a spirit of fear to, to control you. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And when you give in to fear, you allow your spirit to be overwhelmed with fear. It's not from God. Nehemiah was God's answer to that situation. Nehemiah had been positioned in that place by the hand of God 
he hadn't sort of just circumstances allowed him to get that job and, and be with the king's cup bearer so he could enjoy all the privilege that he would get. He had been purposed by God to live in that time that he lived in and to be in that position in order to live out the will of God. And so you might not understand, but I want to say to you this morning, you are positioned in your life with all the people around you because you are here for such a time as this. And because God has put you there as an answer to many people around your life. You are not just some kind of, you know, um, thing that has happened and circumstances direct your life, that the very hand of God has directed you to this moment in time for your life. Because you are part of the purpose and plan of God. You are part of the answer of God. In the same way, Pekka and I had to come to Australia because there was a work. It was not directed by our hand. We had no idea. But all these years later, you know, we have seen that we have been part of God's answer to our community here. Hopefully we've been part of God's plan to help you grow in God. See, you're an answer. Don't think you're just randomly here. Don't, just don't think that you can live your life and enjoy all the good things about your life and just, that's it. Uh, that's all good. You can do that. But you are actually, you have a purpose in God. Do you understand that? You have a purpose divinely inspired by God. Now, Nehemiah, who was the king's cup bearer, Artaxerxes, who's in fact um, stepmom, was Esther. I want to look at the scripture in the book of Esther. Esther chapter 4 verse 14. So Esther, this is some 60 years later, 30, 40, maybe 30, 40 years later, uh, beforehand, sorry. Esther uh, was put in this position whereby she was quite possibly going to marry um, Artaxerxes' father. And um, I think it was, what was the guy's name? Um, I didn't even look at this. Mordecai had, this is Mordecai speaking to her. Esther 4.14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you are or you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So she had been, you know, he was telling her that, look, you're positioned in this place for such a time as this to help be an answer to Israel. He said, now you can remain silent. You can remain silent and say nothing or do nothing but God will arise and bring an answer another way. But then he says, but you and your family will perish. Now, I'm, I'm not threatening you with perishing. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is that you have to do something about your faith. You have to do something about you being the answer to those around you. You have to do something about taking your moment in history that God has put you here for. And make your step of faith and conquer whatever fear is stopping you because he's positioned you here. Now, if you don't do that, he will raise someone else up. But I've got to tell you, the adventure of faith, 
The journey of hearing from God and then making that step is the most rewarding thing I have in my life. It is the most amazing thing that I've got to see so many incredible things because by the grace of God, Pecker and I have been making steps of faith. You are significant, friends. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let the enemy cause you to not understand the importance of who you are and your plan that God has for you. Don't let your life get caught up in the world and all the rubbish of the world. Stop playing with the rubbish of the world. Stop doing things that are causing you to not live out who you're meant to be. Stop living down in that trash and lift your, let God lift you up to where you're meant to be. Step away from the rubbish. Step away from the addictions. This is not even in my sermon. Sorry. No, not really. You were born for such a time as this. But if you remain silent, God will raise someone else. Here's this man, uh, Nehemiah. And there is a moment when Nehemiah has to open his mouth. And I want to look at that. So that's Nehemiah chapter 2. I'm getting there. My head's playing around, but I'm getting there. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1 through to 2. And it came to pass... In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in the presence, in his presence before. In verse 2. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. And then it says this. So... I became dreadfully afraid. This was this man's moment in history. This was the moment he had prayed, he had fasted, he had cried out to God. He knew that he had to do something. He'd asked God for grace, but this was the very moment when he had to take his step of faith. And he knew if he opened his mouth and, and, and bad things happened, that he would die. And this word when he says that I was uh, dreadfully afraid. Sometimes steps of faith, sometimes walking away from the things and habits that have caused you and caused others to stumble will cause you to be dreadfully afraid about walking out of those. Sometimes when God has such a big plan for your life that he wants you to make some great step, that fear will become so, so strong that you'll be dreadfully afraid. Ever had dreadfully afraid moments? He's got some more for you. How exciting is that? I don't know what he's spoken to you, but I've got to tell you, you will face moments of dreadful fear. Nehemiah was at that moment of dreadful fear. The word dreadfully afraid means to be vehemently uh, Intensively, exceedingly in fear. I love that Nike thing, that ad that used to be um, on t-shirts, feel the fear, but do it anyway. See, serving God is not going to uh, make you exempt from not feeling fear, but serving God gives you the courage and the strength to overcome fear. That's why God hasn't given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you understand? 
Sometimes you've got to say some things to people that maybe they need to hear and you will feel dreadfully afraid. Sometimes you're going to have to face up to stuff in your life and it will create fear in you. And like I said, sometimes you're going to have to make big steps of faith that will make you frightened. Sometimes I've opened my mouth and I said, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then within an hour, you know, after I've talked or whatever, and I go and I'm feeling freaking out. Why did I open my mouth again? You know, and that fear thing starts to take hold. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to um, tell you of a moment in my life when I faced some um, dreadful fear. Years ago, when um, Pekka and I were in New Zealand, we were living in a uh, in the south of Auckland, which is kind of one of the poorer areas of Auckland. I've told this story a little, but I'm going to open it up a little bit more. And we were uh, in a church in Manukau City, and there was a lot of gang trouble going on in a particular part. The Bloods and the Crips were fighting. I read this article in the paper, and something struck in my heart about this violence that was going on and, and all this stuff, and I felt the Spirit of God. And so I just pr- I was praying, and I felt God tell me that He wanted me to do something to be an answer to that problem. So I told Pecker, and she's like, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of thing. I talked to the guy. I was the junior pastor. Long story short is we end up hiring this um, recreational center in the middle of where the gang trouble was. And uh, I got all the Christians there. There was about 30 or 40 of us there. And we were in the, this recreation center, and we were praying. But all the bad guys were outside. All the gang people sort of out in the streets. And we're all there praying. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I've opened my mouth. I'm the one that said, let's go and do something. So... I felt obliged to go out and find these guys. So it was sort of 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. And um, I went out by myself and walked around um, the sort of shopping area. And there were about six of these gang guys there. And um, I remember feeling God, you know, the heart's going like this a bit now. A little bit of fear starting to mount. And I remember going to these guys. And as I walked closer to them, then they noticed me because these guys were all Island and Mary boys big fellas, and um, they um, started to circle around me, and they circled around me so like there was no way to get out basically, and I'm freaking inside, and I'm starting to feel dreadfully afraid, I'm starting to feel the fear of what's going to happen next to my life, and uh, I'm like, um, there are other words I could use to describe what was going on inside my head, but I won't because it wouldn't be right. And I remember crying out to God in that moment, saying, God, I think I heard you. I need your help. And a confidence came over me. And a confidence that wasn't mine, but it was a confidence that came from him. And I opened my mouth and I began to talk to these guys about why we were there and all this stuff. And lo and behold, something amazing happened. Rather than beat me up, these guys are like, oh, yeah, cool, man, you know, yeah, yeah. And um, I'm amazed, number one. And then we end up taking these guys um, to where we began this outreach. And that, and that outreach, outreach lasted three years. And many, many people got saved. Many, many of those gang guys who were very violent men got saved. Why? Because I'm big and strong and tough. Thank you, Graham. Amen. Why am I telling you that? Why am I saying that to you? Because friends 
The step of faith will require courage to overcome fear. One of the things that's happened to me as I've been praying and fasting is God challenged me about some of the things in my life, for sure. But God began to reveal to me things about the future for my life, for this church, for the things that we do. And some of those things seem big to me. Some of those things seem uh, overwhelming to me. Some of those things, even he talked to me about finances and even finances in my life, about going to another level, about what I do with money. And um, God doesn't do that because he wants to make you feel bad. God wants to do these things to make you go to higher places and give you bigger dreams because he wants you to experience the wonder of who he is and what he can do. See, all these years later, I can tell you that testimony of God rescuing me and doing amazing things and saving those guys. We have many, many stories of these guys. I have no idea what's happened to them all these years later. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Nehemiah had to overcome fear. If you have, depending on if you've got a big vision or you've got something that is bigger than you, which will require other people, you're the person that's going to have to be the one to take the first step. You know, for those of us who are leaders here in this church, unless you can conquer fear, don't expect those who follow you to conquer fear. Yeah. Do you understand? If you want to see this church do bigger and greater things, then friend, you're going to have to conquer fear. You know, go back to that Clendon thing. Um, I needed to conquer fear in order for me to motivate my team who for over two and a half years would minister to these gang guys. Many, many times we almost had riots. Can you remember Pekka? I brought a guy in to come and speak and this guy didn't understand these types of people. And this guy was so ignorant, the speaker that we brought in, he almost created a riot. And these guys were like getting angry and angry and it was a, you could feel it in the atmosphere. And... Um, but my team, who had, because the leader had learned to conquer fear, also were able to conquer fear, and we calmed the farm. Do you understand? And see, for us as a church, friends, God has bigger and greater things for us to do, and things that you might even hear about and think, oh, no way, they can't do that. And don't say they, it's we, because you're part of it. We've got to conquer fear. Who wants to see bigger and greater things? Hallelujah. You've got to conquer fear. I love this thing about Nehemiah. See, Nehemiah, then a whole lot of good stuff happens, and then Nehemiah has a team that he's working with, and then the enemy starts to become dangerous around them and threatening their lives. And there is a moment when Nehemiah has to stir uh, courage in his team. And in Nehemiah, you haven't got the scripture because this is something I just got when I was sitting down there. Nehemiah 4.14 says this, and this is Nehemiah talking to his team. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not uh, be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, 
great and awesome and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. Listen to this. Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord. Who? The Lord. Who is he? Great and awesome. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. You see, we need to have great courage at this moment in history to start fighting because we have an awesome God for our sons and our daughters and our children and our families. You who are husbands, you who are biblically called to lead your families, it is not time for you to cower. It is time for you to take courage because you have an awesome God and be brave for your children. Be brave for your husbands, your wives, and for our community. This is not in my notes, whatever. Sorry. Feel the fear and do it anyway. I'm excited about the potential in all of your lives. I'm excited to see you tell us stories of the wonder of what God has done in your lives, all the rescue you've seen him do for those around you. But you've got to take some courage, friend. You've got to have the courage. You've got to stand up against the tide and the lies of the enemy. Can I have an amen? Nehemiah's moment of stepping into the promise of God. Nehemiah chapter 2, 3 through to 5. I'm going to read it in two versions. The New Living, first of all. But I replied. This is him talking to the king as the king's cupbearer. Remember? Dreadfully fearful. But I replied. Long live the king! How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire? The king asked, well, how can I help? Think of that. He's dreadfully fearful. He's thinking he might get his head lopped off. But I replied. I opened my mouth and took my step of faith. I opened my mouth even despite the fact that I might lose my head and look at what happened. This king of the Persian Empire basically, mate, I'll do whatever it takes to help you, Nehemiah. You see, I want to tell you about the wonders of God and about the wonders of revelation from God, about the wonders of the plans that God has for you, that when you are willing to be the person, but I replied... You will see an amazing thing happen around you that circumstances will enter into a supernatural thing. That things that are beyond your natural understanding will begin to take place. The king of Persia then basically financed the whole thing. Released him. See, is God kind of up in heaven? Man, I don't know what we're going to do here. I'm... You know, I'm down to my last 50 bucks. Who is he? He is the God, great, mighty, and strong. There is no limit to the creator of the universe. 
What is limited is people who are willing to take a step because they believe who he is and allow the wonders of heaven to come to earth. The wonders of heaven to come to earth. The wonders of heaven to come and enter your family. The wonders of heaven to come and enter your marriage. The wonders of heaven to come and heal our nation. You see, God releases supernatural when we are people who make steps of faith. And we are people, the clock's gone, what's the time? Who stole the clock? Ephesians 3.20, I'm going to finish with Ephesians 3.20. Thanks, Stuart. Ephesians 3.20. I love it, but I replied, friend, step out. Step out. Take courage. Don't bow to the spirit of fear because it's not from him. Ephesians 3.20. Sorry. Ephesians 3.20 and the New Living. Now all glory to God, who was able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Ephesians 3.20 in the New King James James Version. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power of God. That works in us. Hallelujah. You know, we, we often preach this Ephesians 3.20. To the God who is able to do beyond what your imagination could ever think. Did they just put that in there? You know, was, was the writer of Ephesians just throwing it out there as a statement? And um, why did he do that? Friends, because it was the sense of motivation about friends. This is who we serve that you might think he can only do this, but he is way bigger than that. He is way bigger than that. I want us as a church, I want you guys who are watching our stream to be the people who may think God can do this much, but to experience that God does way beyond. I don't think Nehemiah would have any idea how easily the king poured it out. How many times in my life have I seen God do above and beyond what I could ever hope, think or ask for? All these years later, after we stood on, we took our flight from uh, NZ to come to Australia, I've got to tell you, I cannot believe what God has done. What God has done with all the things with Ignite, with all of your lives, with the things we do here and the things we do. You know, we're not just a country church. No offense to country church, but God has done beyond what is possible for a country church because he is the God that is above. Amen. He wants you to respond to him. He wants you to respond to him with your step of faith. He wants you this morning to make a decision in your lives that you will take courage, friends. Take courage. Open your mouth. Open your pocket. Bend your knee, whatever it's meant to be. I don't know. But then you release the God who is able to do abundantly beyond and above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, you know, God, you are so gracious. Uh, My head's been over the place, Lord, but you still have your way. Because your word is true. Because in Ephesians 3.20, that is the God who is our God. And Lord, I pray this morning, Father, that whatever or whoever has heard from you and whatever they have heard about their future, about walking away from addiction, about walking uh, away from limit and into the unlimited hands of God, about walking into a new leadership and family, about walking into the revelations of faith that you've given them, that there would come courage. And not natural courage, but courage that comes from the the God of heaven. And Lord, we will hear many, many testimonies of the exceedingly greatness. And people will say, I cannot believe what God has done. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would release into every person that strength and that courage to make their step of faith. Lord, and to those that are leaders in this place this morning, Father, I pray for them that they would not bow to the spirit of fear either. But Father, they would take courage from heaven and lead whatever they are leading into the new great wonders that you have for them and for their teams. In Jesus' name, amen.